And everybody that God has ever used, he's not allowed them to casually do anything. It's all or nothing. Despite of what you're hearing or experiencing, don't let anybody put any doubt. God knows. And I believe that he's going to prophetically speak to you tonight just to show you a place of demarcation and lead you into a greater place. Because God always speaks to where you are, not where you're crying from. Because they tend to be different geographical places in our life. And if you have your Bibles, go with me to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, slip your hand up. The ushers will bring one to you very quickly so that you can follow along with us. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 5. You see, in life, I wanted you to parallel the Apostle Paul here just for a moment. Because the Apostle Paul went through numerous changes in his life and his own thoughts toward himself. He went from saying that I am the chief amongst the apostles until the day before he would be delivered up to saying that I am the least among them. Yet he still had the abundance of revelation in his life or direction to fulfill the mission. And there is always a gulf between the direction and the mission. You see, we receive direction in life into our heart that bears witness with what God is going to do in us and through us. But then there's this mission. How do I get from direction to mission, even though direction is pointed toward mission? And so often we have them both in life. I know how to get over there, and I know what to do. So. Then you ask the proverbial question, if I know how and I know the what to do when I arrive, what's keeping me from achieving my mission? And it will always bring you back to a place of passion, a place of passion. And when we catch fire or gain passion, it heats up something in our life. It heats up our goals. It heats up our mindset. And it allows it to melt down to become a tool in our hand for our success. You see, until you catch on fire for what God has called you to do, you're not just going to randomly stumble up into it based on your gifting. When I begin to use it for God, I have to catch on fire. You see, when... When I get this burning desire, it forces me to focus. It forces me to put things away that's not pertaining to my destiny. You see, you just can't casually step into your destiny. So often we have assembled the right things. It's all right, it's time for me to move into my destiny. And I'm going to casually step. But I need passion. I need passion. And so God will give us a test to make sure we have passion. Because if not, we will take him lightly. We will try to casually fulfill what God has called us to fulfill. And everybody that God has ever used, he's not allowed them to casually do anything. It's all or nothing. He will always step in and say, choose this day 
whom you shall serve. I know you've been hanging around. You even been following my word. But you're getting ready to get over into your destiny now. Choose this day. I need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. You are sold out for me. And you are in complete agreement with what I am doing. And so that comes the question that most of us have to deal with. Are you in agreement with what God wants to do in your life? Or do you still want to hold on to the world perspective? Or do you still want to hold on? Now, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me begin reading. It says in verse 5, it says, Of such a one will I glory yet of myself? I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be, or that he hears of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice or three times, that it might be departed from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. I am become a fool in glorying. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. In other words, Paul says, look, I've lived among all of you, and you all have seen me do a lot of great things. You have seen and experienced my gifting. You've experienced my boldness. You've watched God work in me. However, I am not going to dwell on the strengths that are in my life. I am going to dwell on the infirmities and glory there. Because if I want to walk around in boldness in the things of God, then it, I have the appearance of being a reproach unto him. Because God says, I will not share my glory with another. I will not share my glory with another. Now, coming to that mindset, see, he wasn't in complete agreement up front with the process of God. Remember how the process, God does the thing backwards, and the last shall be, and the first shall be. See, Paul was not in agreement with God's system at first. And, and just short to you, look what he says. Verse 8, I want you to see something. It says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient. In other words, shut up, Paul. I'm, I'm not changing my system. I'm going to leave this thorn here so you can't be boastful. So you can't walk in pride. 
so you won't easily talk about your gifting. Mm -hmm. So that it, it, every time you get in the presence of somebody, you won't make reference of how good you are. I'm going to leave this thorn here. So every time you move the wrong way, it's going to stick you a little bit. And it will remind you to remain humble so that I can continue to use you. And so Paul tried to avoid it at first, but God wouldn't take it. And so I want you to understand some things God is not going to remove. The grace will carry you through. The grace is sufficient for you. The thing that you're trying to take off and hide and cover up, you think it's going to keep you from your destiny? God said, nah, I'm going to leave it there. But my grace is going to cover you and you're going to get there. But I want you to get there with this thorn because I want to keep your flesh down so I can be lifted up. But after a while, Paul's mindset changed in verse 10. I, I, I want you to see how his, his mindset changed. It says, Paul said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, it took a while for Paul to come around to say, look, I take pleasure when I'm in necessity. When I'm in distress, I'm left alone, abandoned, I take pleasure. When I got an infirmity in my body, I take pleasure. When folks are persecuting me, Paul said, I take pleasure. Because he says, I have learned. You see, he didn't have that mindset initially. He said, look, he says, when I am weak, he is strong. You see, Paul had to learn that, that being in a weakened state does not keep you from fulfilling your mission. Being in a place of necessity does not keep you from moving into your goal. Being in a place of infirmity does not cause your mission to stand still. I have witnessed this on so many times. I, I have seen people walking with a death sentence, with cancer in their body, being a testimony, being doing the work of the evangelist. I have seen people that have been evicted, and yet they are still full of joy and speaking boldly of the things of Christ. I have seen people without food on their table, yet there was joy in their spirit. And sometimes I would look at them and say, you know, how in the world can they have so much joy and yet experiencing so much lack, but they have stepped over out of self and into God and understand that his grace is sufficient for them. That when they are weak, he is strong. And the revelation have come to them that I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor its seed begging bread. That's a revelation that has to come to you. You can't read about it and accept it. You have to experience it. And there's not many people standing in line trying to get that revelation. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to get that revelation. But believe it or not, God will teach it to you. He will teach it to you. And in order to teach it to you, he has to wake you up. You have to experience a great awakening. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, all oh, the processes of God. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. 
My goodness, my ways are higher than your ways. Ephesians chapter 5 and, and in verse 14. Are you with me now? Let me begin reading. It says, Wherefore he says, Awake thou that sleeps, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. My goodness. Mm. Awake thou that sleeps. Now, he is not talking about you laying in the bed when he's saying, Awake thou that sleepest. He is talking about those that are walking around with their eyes wide shut. They are walking around every day going through the motions as busybodies. He's saying, wake up, wake up. And this is why I want you to wake up. He said, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Doing what? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. He says, look, you got to make up some lost days. See, look, you've been cutting the food for a while. Walk circumspectly. In other words, change and walk upright in the righteousness of God. And I'm going to show you how to make up some time. See, you think coming back is going to be as long as it took you to go down. But when you wake up and arise from your sleep of your old nature, I'm going to redeem the time. I'm going to get you there in a fraction of the time if you wake up. He said, for the days are evil. And when you step into a season, when you understand what's going on in our communities uh, and, and nations around the world, God says, I need to redeem the time. Therefore, he's going to bring some people into the kingdom that you thought would never make it into the kingdom. He's getting ready to pick some people up out of the gutter, uh, people that have been walking the streets as prostitutes, people who have been running up and down the highways and byways selling drugs for a living. He's getting ready to move some people into the kingdom now. He's getting ready to redeem the time. And the reason some of you are right now are in distress because you're looking at where some people are and you are estimating the time that is going to take them to get in their rightful place. And you're saying, my God, I can't wait that amount of time. It's discouraging to look at Johnny, to look at Susie, to see where she's at and to see how long it's going to take for them to get back in their rightful place. But God says that if you wake up, I'm going to redeem the time and some things that that was one way one night you're going to wake up. They're going to be the, uh, the another way the next. And so don't let the enemy discourage you because some people or some situation have sank down to a low place. Your business might have sank down to a low place. But he says, if you wake up, I'm going to redeem the time and overnight I will turn it around. Some of your kids may have run astray and, and they've been running year after year after year. And you said it's going to take a while for them to come through this 12-step program and to go get some counseling and, and to get back to school. God says, I'm going to redeem the time if you just wake up. If you wake up, I'm going to redeem the time. I'm going to do it. You see, the enemy wants to make you think it's going to take forever. And the reason he comes to you at this time, because before God crosses you over, you always go through a minor testing. Remember, the Bible says to prove all things. First, that's long. It says prove all things. And so God proves you 
before he moves you. He proves you before he moves you. It don't matter what area of your life he's going to prove you. He's going to prove you. Now, it's just like a test. Now, go, go with me to Job chapter 14. Because God has watched us over the years. He knows us. He knows how many times we said we're going to do something ain't done it yet. He knows. Every time you got down and out, Lord, I swear, this time, my God, I'm going to do it differently. I ain't going to do it no more, Lord. If you get me out this time, Jesus, and then he get you out, it ain't a few months, you're all comfortable in Zion, and you're back there again. Mm. That's why he says, prove all things. And that's why we don't rush into things until it is proven. Till it's proven. Let people prove themselves out to you. I told you about doing contracts and doing business. Don't let people make you make a rash decision at the moment by putting you under duress or pressure, telling you it ain't going to work, it'll never happen, you're going to miss out on a chance of a lifetime if you don't do it right now. If people are, have you under duress, there's a trick in it, there's a hook in it. Prove all things. Prove it. I don't care whose mouth it's coming out of. Prove it. You know, there's a hook hanging that little piece of cheese in front of your nose telling you to take a bite. Now, Job chapter 14. And in verse 14. I'll begin reading for the sake of time. It says, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. It says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. In other words, I'm going to serve him till my change come. I'm not going to look for another avenue. I'm not going to try to circumvent the process of God. I'm going to wait until my change come. I'm going to serve him based on the principles that are set before me until my change comes. You see, it, it took Job a while because Job had lost a lot of stuff. You know how people, when you start losing stuff, everybody becomes an ex expert at your dissension. They were able to walk over and assess the situation in about 30 seconds. Honey, child, let me tell you why you're going down. You see, <laughs> you know, when they, when, they, when they go, you see, they don't know what led you to where you are right now. They don't understand the contributing factors to your dissension. Sometimes God will allow us to go down before he brings us up so that we understand the perspective from the bottom and the top. And so don't let the naysayers or we call Job's friends come in and begin to analyze your life because they don't know what God is doing in you. And so Job had to speak to him and say, look, he said, if a man die, shall he live again all of the days of my appointed time? Look, I'm going to wait till my change comes. I know y'all got some suggestions. I know y'all have a temporary remedy, but I'm going to wait till my change come. I'm going to wait till my change come. In other words, Job had patience. That's the first thing in your God-given test. When he wakes you up, when he wakes you up, first thing he does, he gives you a test, and the first thing on the test is patience. First thing on the test. We think it's going to be about areas of where we've had failures and mess-ups and slip-ups and dips and tips and, you know, no. First thing on the test is patience. Will you be patient? And allow me to have my perfect work. Or am I just a sidebar? You just trying me out to see. Am I a possibility? You see, God will give you some patience to make sure. Because some people are, are, are jump in. Oh, this thing ain't working. And go back to where they were. 
But God says, be not deceived. The Lord is not mocked. He's not mocked. So he gives you a test with patience. And that's why so many people, when they come into the kingdom of God, some people are expecting on an immediate turn. God wants to give you the turn, and he's going to give you the turn, but he's going to make sure you're serious this time that you're just not playing him. Mm -hmm. So first test is patience. And during the patience, he proves your work. He proves it. That's what he does. He proves your work. Will you be faithful in the decision that you have made? The gospel says to prove all things. And so that's what God does. You come in, you make a new decision, you're going a different direction, you're going to approach life different in the area of your employment, your business, your relationship, your family, and your children. And all of a sudden, God says, I'm going to prove you in it. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to prove you in it. And so while you're going through the proving process, don't let people talk you backwards. Listen, they don't know what God is working in your life. They don't know. And during this process, it seemed like it's going to take forever. But remember, we read God says, I'll redeem the time. See, to redeem it, it's not waiting over an extended years and months. To redeem something is to bring in a coupon. Some of y'all have been to the supermarket and you redeemed the coupon. They didn't send you the coupon and tell you had to hold it for five years before you can turn it in and get your little pack of food. You went straight to the store with that little coupon and turn it in and you redeemed it and they gave you its value. And so when God comes into your life after the testing, he redeems the time and you're able to cash in immediately. It's not a waiting game. So don't let the enemy give you this assumption by having you to look around at other folk in similar situations who've experienced similar things. And then you analyze it and say, well, when it happened to them, this how long it took for them to come back. When they went through it, this what it took for them to get restored and to get that stuff back. And when they lost their job, this what they experienced and this what they lost. No, God says, I'll redeem the time. Don't base what God is going to do in your life on what has happened in some other people's lives. You don't know how they've been living. You know, maybe they've been doing some stuff behind the wall you don't know about. And maybe God had to let it wait three or four years for them. And so you don't know the secrets that's in their life. And so don't base your comeback on their comeback. Because what God wants to do for you is for you. But he proves it. Now, the third thing he does is motive. When he is testing you, he tests your motive to see why you are doing the things that you are doing. Why do you do what you do? Why do you go where you go? What's your motive? What's your agenda? Is it pure? That's why God gives patience first so that he can see your motive. You've seen people who try to manipulate people with little schemes to set things up so they can make something happen, so they can cause some things to happen. I remember I, I, had, I had an aunt, bless her heart, she's going to be with the Lord today. But um, I remember when she was dating. And so she would try to get all my aunts to help her out. Now, now I was small at the time. I, I had enough sense to know what was going on because I could see the change in nature and the change in character. And so they would identify a particular gentleman that they thought was a suitable mate. They called themselves helping her out. So she, she was not the best cook in the world. And I'm being nice. 
And so my other aunts who had a better gifting in the kitchen, they would go over and cook the dinner. I know they turn it in their grave, but I'm going to tell it. So my other aunt, she would go over and cook the dinner, and so it would be in the original pots on the stove, and they have the table set. Now, so when this gentleman caller or suitor would come over, it would appear that she was a good cook and a good catch. See, I know none of y'all ain't never done none of that now. <laughs> And so their motives were not pure. You see, you know, you know they, they, they setting him up. He's coming over and everything smelling all good in the, in the pot. And, you know, oh, this would be a good wife. She's, man, she can cook the house all nice and clean. And, you know, so the motive was not there. So the, the proper motive. And so what you're doing, make sure your motive is pure. I started going there and tap him on the shoulder and tell him, hey, <laughs> she ain't cook none of that. <laughs> Don't go there, brother. <laughs> but um, believe it or not, that man married her. <laughs> and eventually the truth was told to him. He laughed about it. He said, but I liked it anyway. I knew she couldn't cook. <laughs> and so my point is, why do you do? What's your agenda when you're stepping into a certain arena? What's your agenda? What's your motivation? Keep it pure before God. Keep it pure before God. Because that's part of the test. That's part of the test. Now, the fourth thing that comes is warfare. Warfare. It exposes your ability to remain in God's will when you're doing the will. You see, that's why you will get attacked in areas of your life after you've made a good decision. You always wonder why when I try to do my best, when I try to be at my best, and you can think about yourself and say, you know what, when I, you know, I used to cut the food and I used to do all this crazy stuff. Now, all of a sudden, you know, I'm trying to clean my little mouth up. I'm trying to stop telling lies. I'm, I'm trying to stop hanging around the wrong fools. And, you know, I'm trying to treat everybody nice. And all of a sudden, I straighten myself up. It seemed like the devil started uh, coming out the woodwork. And all of a sudden, they are trying the change or they're trying the decision that you have made. And so it's warfare. It exposes your ability to remain in God's will. Because if you're going to do anything great for God, the enemy is going to try you. And so part of the test in the transition as you cross over into your promise is your ability to deal with spiritual warfare. And so therefore, I must become a prayer warrior. I have to pray. You know, I thought that I could pray and, and, and I prayed for and, and, you know, I could have regular prayer and devotion. But God has a way of taking your prayer to new heights. You see, you know, when I first came in the kingdom, I thought I was full of the spirit and I could pray. And I tell you, I look back now at the way I pray now to the way I pray then. It seemed like I wasn't even praying then because you learn to use the gifts of warfare and prayer is warfare. I'm telling you, Saint, when you move into your destiny, if you're not praying sincerely out of your heart daily, you're going to be tempted to go back. Your spirit is going to become faint and weak and you're going to want to give up and quit 
Because when you pray, you are building up your spirit. You are plugging in yourself. You are adding ammunition. And so every now and then, you need to stop and sing a song. I'm telling you, everybody needs some good praise and worship in their home. Uh, There are going to be days when you're not going to feel the same. You're going to wake up just beaten down and and you'll say to yourself, nobody better not try me today. I ain't feeling good today. You know, and, 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 and that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you all beaten down, trodden, so that he can get you back into your old nature. And then he can tell you, you see, you ain't changed. Oh, you're still the same old person. You ain't worthy of God's best. God ain't going to send the next to you. Look at you. You're still in the old mindset. But therefore, you have to be able to go through warfare. And if you don't pray, you're going to give up and give out. And I'm just get, a, get you a CD and put it in the house. And just let worship pray and, just, and play. And you just walk around the house and you sing with it. I don't care if you can't carry a tune in your bucket. You sing with it, and then you stop every now and then, and you pray with everything that you got, and then you sing a little bit more. You don't have to wait on the church to have a prayer hour or a prayer night. You start it up in your house. You let the enemy know, look, every time you come against me, every time you attack me, you attack my family, you attack my resources. You, Anytime you come against me, look, this is what's going to go on in this house. And so... And, and so if you don't want no prayer going up to God, you better leave me alone. Yeah, if you don't want God getting in the glory, you better leave me alone. If you don't want me talking with God and God talking to me and giving me my next and giving me my destiny, you better leave me alone. Let the enemy know you got some fight in you. The weapons, they are not carnal, but they are powerful through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You got to have some warfare. Remember, the enemy, he's not dead. He's defeated, but he ain't dead. You got to let him know hey, I could fight in the world, I could fight in the kingdom. My God, you know, somebody smacked me on the street, I used to smack them back. Now you smack me in the spirit, I'm going to smack you back in the spirit. My God, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Some of y'all need to get some righteous indignation about some things that are going on in your life and, and just stand up. I'm telling you, lift up your voice and let the enemy know I am a child of God and he has given me weapons. Prayer is a weapon. It's a tool. Worship is a tool. That's why some of us limp in to the church on Sunday. We had our gloves off all week. Had our arms down all week. Just been walking around getting... Poof, poof, poof. Then you come into church. Can't even, can't even praise and worship. People got to pump you up. You ain't got no joy. The, the, the air been knocked out of you. You can't even give God glory. Because you've been taking all the hits all week. You need to get up every day and hit the enemy back. Put your feet on the floor in the morning... And said, look, I'm going to throw the first punch. You ain't going to hit me first. When I get up, when I wake up and put my feet on the floor, I'm going to hit you with prayer. I'm going to hit you with a song. And when I'm telling you, I'm going to hit you all day long. I'm tired of you running up and down me. My God. My God. Let the enemy know you got some fight left. 
You got something left? It ain't over. You need to show some warfare. And, 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 and Jesus was interesting. He, he's pulling for you. He said, that's my daughter. That's my son. Look at him fight. My God. My God. That's, he's standing up pulling for you. You remember when Stephen was stoned to death. The Bible says that Jesus stood up on the throne. My God. Jesus will stand up for you if it's based, if it's to have anything to do with your destiny. You got to fight. My God. You got to fight. Don't be down in the mouth. If you don't know what to do, take up the scripture. Just start reading it. Just read it out loud. If you run out of prayer, you don't know what to say, just take the Bible and walk around the house. Read it out loud. Put the word in the atmosphere. Put the word in the atmosphere. My God. My God, I never run out of weapons. My God, I, I, I've got 66 books. Hallelujah. I throw all of them at him. Glory to God. Have some warfare. Have some warfare. I'm going to give you all one more. Lordship. Go with me to Luke. The book of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah to Jesus. And the reason I'm going here, this is part of the test. Your strength is a test unto God. You see, it would appear that your weakness would be the test. The things that you're weak in, that you lack strength in, that you don't have much ability in that area, it seemed like that's where the test would come. But the test will come in the area where you are strong, where you are at your best. Whatever area of employment or business that you operate in, you're good at it. This is what I do well. You can't touch me in this area. You might beat me here. You might beat me here. But, hey, you come into this arena, this is what I do well. You know, I may can't write real fast, but, hey, you cannot type me. Hey, this is my strength right here. You know, I might don't read a lot of things, but, hey, come to math, you can't touch me in math. This is my strength. You know, I'm, you know I might can't sing, but, hey, I can play that instrument. That's my strength right here. You can't touch me in this. So you have a strength, whether you own the computer, whether you uh, teach, whether you're in the arts, whether you can draw, whatever your skill is, you have a strength. Some of y'all are just coordinators, great coordinators, great chefs. You, you know, you, you have a way with children. It's your strength. And so the tests will come in the area of your strength. Now, let me, let me be in reading for you. Now, we went to Luke chapter 5 and in verse 4. Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their nets brake. And their nets break, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. So that they began to sink. I want you to listen to the answer of Simon Peter. Jesus said, launch out into the deep, and let your nets down for a draw. And Simon, or Peter, answered and said unto him, Master, look. We've toiled all night, 
and I've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'm going to let down the nets. So, now this is Jesus talking to him. And the reason Peter responded the way that he responded was because Peter was an expert fisherman. That's what Peter did for a living to the extent that he had several boats and people working for him. His home was large enough there in Jerusalem that he was able to allow his mother-in-law to live in a suite in the house. Peter was a wealthy man. That was his strength and that was his gifting. If Peter didn't know how to do anything else, Peter knew how to fish. That's what he was gifted at. That's what he was strong at. But the first thing Jesus did when he came to him, he came to him in the area of his strength. And so Peter, because he was so good at it, you know, he didn't want to be disrespectful, but you could hear it in his voice. So look, Lord, this is what he was really trying to say. Look, Lord, now I realize that you are the Lord. You came from Mary and Joseph, and I know Joseph, and he's a good carpenter because Peter was older. And I know your family, and you've been down there building tables and, 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 and furniture, and, and you're good at building that furniture. But see, Lord, I'm about twice your age, and I've been fishing for a long time. And so here you are telling me to launch out into the deep. And uh, look, Lord, I, you know, I've been out there all night, you see. See, I had my boats. We've been out there all night. And I've been doing this for years. And, Lord, ain't nothing out there tonight. However, since you the Lord, you know that, Lord, nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word so you don't strike me down. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and drop these nets out here. Hmm? Mm -hmm. You see, Peter was kind of reluctant and he questioned God because Jesus came to him in the area of his strength. You ever tried to tell somebody something in the area that they think they can do it so well? You about can't tell them much. Now look now. Now everybody know I can do this. Now I've been doing this for 25 years. What you going to tell me how, about how to do this? You know, and, and so, and, and the reason God comes to give you the test there first, because we tend to be stubborn in the area of our gifting. And if God is going to use you in your Canaan or in your promise, he's going to need your strength. And your strength will dictate what God is going to accomplish in your life. He gave it to you on purpose. But if he is not Lord of your strength, it's going to hinder what God is going to do in your life. You see, it's easy to give over to God the areas of your failure. Oh, Lord Jesus, please come into this area. I'm so weak. I need so much help. I can't make it. See, it's easy to invite him in where you're having a problem at. But most people don't invite him in. Where they're doing well. You see, if I can invite him into the area of my strength, I probably can double my productivity. How many of you ever invited him in in the area of your strength where you're just doing something so great and everybody know you're great at it? 
How many times you invited him in? You see, your doubling or your multiplication is coming out of your gifting, out of your strength. And so it's easy to go in every time you have a failure or a lack. And God, please come now. Help me in this area. Help me with this and help me with that. No, no. Your multiplication is coming from what you do well. Submit what you do well to him. Because the Bible says, humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God that you might be exalted in due season, in due season, in due season. And so there is a test that will come to see will you surrender what you do best or your strengths under God to see will you pass. You see, Jesus taught Peter a lesson because, of course, Peter didn't catch any fish all night. But because he followed the word of God, the Bible says that he pulled in so many fish that it filled his boat. And then he had to turn around the people that was with him in the other boats, his partners. He filled their boats as well to the extent that they begin to sink. You see, Jesus would teach you a lesson in the area of your strength. If you allow him to come in, he will double your productivity. Give your strength to him. The thing that you think you do so well, give it to him. Begin to pray extensively in that area with the same passion and the same fire that you pray when you experience lack. You see, we don't pray hard about what we do well. Just don't do it. You see, when you get a little pain or a little suffering in an area, that revs up the prayer. Distress, it makes the prayer come deeper uh, from the belly. I'm, 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 I'm telling you from experience, listen, I can go into a prison right now. I can have a man in prison get up on his knee and pray. He'll almost pray the rafters off the building. Because he's pulling from a deeper pain and a deeper distress. I can have a church member pray and it won't be half the fervor of that man in prison. Because where there is lack or distress, there is a fervor that's in the prayer. It's, it, it, the prayer is deeper. And so if you can move the deepness of your prayer that's in your weakness to the area of your strength, I'm telling you, you will double what you're laying your hands to. My God, the Bible says that the, that, 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 that the righteous, fervent prayer availeth much, availeth much, not a little bit, much, much. And so I have to understand that I have to pass the lordship test. That's what it's called, that he is Lord. It's a lordship test. He needs to be Lord over your strength, what you do well. That's the Lordship test. Now, good gracious, my time is up. We're going to continue next week. There is two other tests you need to understand, you need to be familiar with. And because you're in transition, and sometimes these things are happening to us, and we're questioning where we are in the process. But just like the Apostle Paul discovered, his grace is sufficient for you. So in other words, don't you stop and wait till he removes certain things from your life. He says, go on. Some of y'all, you have stopped, you have ceased because of a thorn. 
a thing that you don't want to move with, and it's always there. Some things God is not going to take from you. He's going to leave in your side to remind you that you need him. That if it were not for him, you wouldn't be here. So he leave it there. So you won't forget him. You see, if he perfects you and take everything away so that when you arrive there, you think you made it there under your own strength because you've been so good that you've done all the right things. You said all the right things. You learned all the right things. And, and you get there and you don't have a thorn. It becomes a spirit of pride. But he allows you to arrive at your destiny with a thorn in your side. And so that you remain humble, you keep your head tilted a little bit before the Lord. Because every time you look at it, you say, Lord, if it were not for you, oh, I wouldn't be here. Lord, if this thing were here got out, Lord, I wouldn't make it. Lord, but you covered me. You brought me through despite, despite it. Lord, you know how bad it was. You know exactly where I've been. You know exactly what I participated in. Lord, you knew my motive. And, and, and Lord, you brought me out anyhow. Your grace was sucked. Efficient for me. And so he leaves the thorn. If he left it in the Apostle Paul, he's going to leave it in you. Because Paul came to the conclusion that I am the chief among the sinners. Yet he was the greatest apostle in the Bible. But at his conclusion, he said, I'm the chief of the sinners. But when he started out, he said, I'm the greatest of the apostles. Apostles, but God leaves the thorn, even though you pray for Him to take it away. Stop praying for Him to take certain things away and just go on towards your destiny. God knows what's in your side. Run on, get over it, get over the shame, get over the pride, get over what has happened to you, get over what you've been through, get over what people might say about you. You can't change where you've been, what you've been through, decision you have made. The only thing that you can do is make another decision and wake up and come out of your sleep and walk into your destiny and fulfill the mission that God has set before you. Your best days are ahead of you. And His grace is sufficient. And you are going to make it in the name of Jesus. I declare it and decree it. It is so. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah. This ends message number 3303 by Frank Salters. To send this message from Direction 2 Mission number 3303 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 3303. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.